folks to another hour of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The evil that men do, today's date is January 14th, 2014, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. And once again, I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones.
We don't need a scientific study to conclude that evil is always among us. As long as humans exist in this world, there will be evil. You can see it on a daily basis or at least read about it. Quote, The evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones, observed Mark Antony in Julius Caesar. When you, my listening audience, watch the news, do you see stories about good things happening to good people? Not often. Often, more often than not, the stories are about somebody who did something to somebody else. Somebody stole something from somebody else, somebody robbed something, and of course there's always a murder too. Fraud. All sorts of bad things happening all the time. And there's an old proverb. There's an old uh, curse, really. It's not so much a proverb, but a but a curse. And uh, you know what? We're we're gonna we're gonna get into that a little bit later. Well, let's get into it now. May you. Live in interesting times. A Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times, often referred to as the Chinese curse, is the purported translation of an ancient Chinese proverb and curse. However, no Chinese source has ever been found to corroborate that. Evidence that the phrase was in use as early as 1936 is provided by a memoir written by Hugo Kachinbull Huggison, who was a British ambassador to China in 1936 and 1937. The memoir describes an instance of a friend. Huggison describes the phrase as a Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. Are we living in interesting times, folks? And is that a good thing, or are we living the curse? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Envy. Resentment evil in human nature. Envy and resentment are the bane of civilized society. In fact, those negative human emotions are sensually de-civilizing for those individuals who ferociously cling to them and their own sense of entitled victimhood and No better examples can be found than 
in the current administration, where our president, the president of the United States of America, seeks to not unite all Americans, but to pit one group of Americans against another, the rich against the not-so-rich, us against them, those fat cats. Democrats like to define themselves as the party of poor and middle-income Americans. But in a new study, a new study says that uh, they now represent the majority of the nation's wealthiest congressional districts. In a state-by-state, district-by-district comparison, wealth concentrations based on internal revenue service data income, income data, Mark, uh, Michael Frank, Vice President of Government Relations for uh, the Heritage Foundation, found that the majority of the nation's wealthiest congressional jurisdictions were represented by Democrats. He also found that more than half of the wealthiest households were concentrated in 18 states where Democrats hold both Senate seats. Interesting. All these rich Marxists, identify themselves as Democrats because it is just so cool and hip and virtuous to champion the poor and oppressed. How unfortunate for them that this virtuousness requires them to nurture and maintain a never-ending supply of the poor and oppressed and to encourage and support victimhood and entitlement. The last thing that the today's Democrat or their leftist Marxist base really wants is for the poor to become independent of their virtuous and compassionate largesse. So they must stroke the fires of envy and resentment. They've got to. They promote class warfare and try to appeal to the worst aspects of our human nature. What is that? Envy, greed, resentment, us against them. They cannot appreciate that capitalism and the free market, when conducted under the rule of law, in a free society, and without special privileges granted from corrupt governments, offer a healthy channel for the redirection of negative emotions like envy and resentment and greed. They channel it into something positive for both the individual and the larger society. Something I might add that Marxism, socialism, and all the variants completely fail to do. You cannot escape the reality of the dark side of human nature. You can either channel that dark side and use it constructively to benefit yourself and incidentally the society you live in, or... You can encourage and facilitate it in all its destructive power. And by doing so, create the hell on earth we've come to associate with communist and Marxist societies. When it comes to understanding human nature and encouraging the development of healthy psychological and behavioral strategies for positive channeling, of, destruct, uh, of uh, positive channeling of destructive human emotions, capitalism has nothing to fear. 
from collectivism of any stripe, including the President Barack Hussein Obama. As Jonah Goldberg observed, quote, it is an internal trope of leftivism to assign to its enemies problems that are generic to humanity itself, end quote. Does that make any sense? I have pointed out repeatedly that this tendency is actually a psychological projection, a way of disowning this unpleasant aspect of human nature in themselves, leaving them free to pursue their Marxist utopian delusions. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We're going to go ahead and take a short break. But I have been remiss because I've been getting tons of emails asking for where's the, where's the Larry Hagman tribute that you promised us. You promised us a tribute to Larry Hagman. Now, I know that Larry checked out in November, November 23rd, 2012. But uh, we still got to do it. We, 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 we've got to do it. So here's our tribute. Well, go ahead. Let me go ahead and read it for you. Larry Hagman, born September 21, 1931, died November 23, 2012, and was an American film actor and television actor. Best known for playing ruthless oil baron J.R. Ewing in the 80s. Primetime television, soap opera Dallas, and befuddled astronaut major Anthony Tony Nelson in the 1960s sitcom I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah, that guy. I pointed out many times that Dallas and J.R. Ewing were just a couple of my idols. Yeah, I love J.R., I loved everything about the guy. And I like the actor, Larry Hagman. So, we're going to go ahead and put out our Larry Hagman YouTube Best of JR audio. And then we'll come back and we'll get back on topic. The call in number is 347-884-8500. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. And the best of J.R. Ewing. You seem mighty happy with yourself tonight, J.R. You managed to evict some widows today? You keep begging like that, and you're going to be evicted onto a trash heap, dear. I'm amazed you're not a better loser. After all the experience you've had, I just want you to know, J.R., we're going to nail you. Now, haven't you noticed? you got to be a man to play in my league. Hello, how's your daddy? Oh, he's really very sick. Thank you, Lucy. You mean drunk? A lot of that going around. Hey, hold on, Ray. You're just a hired hand around here. Don't try to shift the blame on me. Well, everybody can see that she's cracking up. Slowly and surely. And who can blame her? I mean, she finds out that her daddy, Digger Barnes, is no relation at all. And her real father is a saddle tramp and a thief. And, and her mother's a whore. Now, who could find it in their heart to hate that poor little girl, huh? Could you? Tell me, J.R., which slut are you going to stay with tonight? What difference does it make? Whoever it is, it's got to be more interesting than the slut I'm looking at right now. 
I'm going to bring Bobby down. I'm going to cut him out if I have to destroy you and all to do it. Marriage is not always a bed of roses. Isn't that right, fam? No? Nobody here but us rich folks. <laughs> oh, his money saved, J.R. Oh, I know it. Pays to have you and blood in your veins, no matter how it got there. No one you care so much for Sue Ellen. She's just like your mother. Another drunken slut who ran away. You slime. You make me sick. Keep out of my way, Pamela, or I'll destroy you. What do you like in your coffee? Bourbon. Well, you have a very perverse way of looking at what's right and wrong, honey. And I suppose that's to be expected from the illegitimate child of a ranch foreman and the stepdaughter of the town drunk. Yeah. Mr. Ewing, there's a Mr. Cliff Barnes here to see you. Who? Cliff Barnes. Tell him to get lost. I'm putting you on notice, Barnes. Well, I'm going to destroy you. Oh, Barnes, you just get dumber and dumber every day. You have succeeded in becoming the perfect failure. I don't believe it. I'm sorry Ray isn't here. Well, Ray was always uncomfortable eating with the family. I mean, after all, we do use knives and forks. Oh, I'd like to, Dave. I really would. But uh, somebody's got to mind the store. You see, my daddy and I handed the reins of viewing oil over to an amateur once before. And almost lost the whole shooting match. From now on, my life is going to be strictly monogamous. Real happy to hear you're working with Mary Lee Stone. Are you? Try not to write any checks on her money. I wouldn't want you to ruin her company like you did your mama. Ray just doesn't have the strength of character of a real yay. Oh, of course, that's understandable in his case, you know. Gary's coming in? Well, it's nothing like a little inheritance to get a man to come back home. Well, Gary and Ray. Well, what's a family for if it can't take care of its losers? All I'm saying is I'm glad that Mama didn't schedule another voting meeting. The only way we'd get Ray there to vote this year is to hold it in the bar. What were you doing in the south of France with Mark Grayson holding hands? Now tell me, was Mark Grayson the only one? Or did you try a few Frenchmen just because you were there? Everybody warned me about doing business with you. Well, maybe they were right. Hello, Pam. Say, weren't you here a couple of months ago? You're not going to make a habit out of this, are you? And Barnes, you're as dumb as your daddy used to be. You're going to bankrupt your mama's company and wind up just like your daddy. A drunk and a bum. How nice. You're concerned about my happiness. Oh, no, I don't give a damn about you or your happiness, honey, but I do care about what's good for me. Well, yes, there's some truth in the idea that we were going to share the company. Well, I'll be damned. I've never been a sore loser. Congratulations on your win, Bobby. Not that it makes any difference. I mean, we have decided to be partners, right? Huh? Bob, you've never gone back on a deal. We are partners, right? Just the way Daddy wanted it. Well, if it isn't the whole Barnes-Wentworth plan. Now, by the way, Pam, what name are you using now that you're no longer a Ewing? It's really none of your business, is it? Oh, well, I was just curious as to how I'm going to introduce everybody, but, uh, well, you know Jenna Wade. Hey, Jenna, you remember Pam? Bobby married her after you ran out on him. Yeah, the proper recipient of a Digger Barnes Scholarship Award isn't a university. It's a neighborhood bar. Guess I better change and go to work. Somebody's got to keep the family fortune rolling in. See you, Mama. Why did you do that? Because you needed slapping down, Cliff. Tomorrow morning, the janitor's going to come in here and sweep you out with the rest of the trash. Unless, of course, you do the honorable thing. Get in the elevator, go up the roof, and jump off, huh? 
<laughs> I expect to find you in my bed tonight. I'll probably be late. Wait up for me. Well, the pressure may be on the line. <laughs> All right, welcome back. That's a full um this tribute to uh to my main man Larry Hagman is a full uh, almost a full 10 minutes long, almost 10 minutes long. So we're not going to go uh, all the way into it, but I think you get the point. A lot of it's really funny, isn't it? I mean, come on. If a, I mean, I don't know if, uh, you know, I, I, I've been, well, you know what, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of talking like that to a number of people over the years. And I think I owe it all to J.R. Ewing. I mean, but the guy is just deliciously evil. Well, he was. The character, I mean. He wasn't a real person, of course, but uh, I so enjoyed those um, those uh, those shows. And Dallas is coming back in just a couple of weeks without uh, Larry Hagman. And it's going to be interesting to watch when they refer to him um, and... Uh, you know, I'm I'm I miss the actor and I miss the show and I'm I've been watching uh, reruns of, of Dallas and it's interesting to 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 watch. But uh now that we've paid tribute to um to Larry Hagman, so many folks have been asking for me to do so. Um it's done and I uh, hope you hope you enjoyed it. But let's get back to the show now. The Wings of Envy and Resentment is coming an upcoming show on Blog Talk Radio for The Doctor. But I'll give you a preview right here and now. There's a piece by Thomas Sowell. And it's very thought-provoking. In it, he describes the way history went down. So that the Western Europeans happen to develop a literate language or written language a few hundred years before the Eastern Europeans. Yeah. This explains, well, he explains, is mostly due to the fact that the, the West of Europe happened to be conquered by the Romans. The later disparities in development between Eastern and Western European people can be traced back to this quirk of history. Literate people obviously have many advantages over people who are illiterate. Even after Eastern European languages became literate, it was a long time before they had such accumulations of valuable written knowledge as Western European languages had. Due to Western European languages, centuries earlier, centuries early head start. Even the educated elites of Eastern Europe were often educated in Western European languages. None of this was due to the faults of those who, well, had the merits of the other. It's just the way the history went down. Being a historian, I can speak to that issue. But such mundane explanations of gross disparities are seldom emotional or even emotionally satisfying. And least of all to those who, to those, well, those folks who are on the short end of these disparities. With the rise over time 
of an insidious intelligentsia in Eastern Europe and growing influence of mass politics. More emotionally satisfying explanations emerge, such as oppression, exploitation, and that sort of thing. Today in America, many denounce the black-white gap in economics and other achievements, which they attribute to the same kind of causes as those to which the lags in Eastern Europeans. Moreover, the persistence of these gaps year after years after the civil rights laws were expected to close them in regards to something strange and is is regarded as something strange and even sinister. The seven deadly sins of narcissism. So I've quoted extensively from Sowell's argument because it is a very crucial point that he's making. One of the seven deadly sins of narcissism is envy. And one of the key points about envy is that it is never directed at that which is bad. Rather, it is a hateful attack on that which is good. People who specialize in envy, in envy don't really want the good things that another person has. They want to ensure that the other person doesn't have them or get to keep them. Or they do want those things. It is a desire that comes in a distant second to their desire to destroy the goods that others have. Envy is without a doubt the underlying emotion behind the Marxist trope from each according to his ability to each according to his need. The enlightened and morally bankrupt left, well, they've always believed that economic self-interest means simply voting yourself a share of money that is earned by others. They wouldn't know how to create wealth if their lives depended on it. And that's why they seek power over others. They see it as the only way they can survive in the real world. But since they cannot admit that to themselves, they'll seize other people's wealth with one hand while signing the political bills that make it impossible to create the wealth in which they themselves depend. That's why we have an administration and a president who has never really held a real job saying that the fat cat bankers and the rich need to pay their fair share, that we need to have an equal footing so that everybody has a fair shot, and so on. Everybody needs to have a fair shot. Don't we all have a fair shot? And how do you get to have a fair shot? Let's talk about that for a moment. Suppose you're born to a from a crack addict mother. Well, automatically, she's smoking crack. You're in the womb. You're chilling. You're ready to come out. You're immediately at a disadvantage because she's been smoking crack. 
and your brain's fried as a result. How do you get a fair shot? Some folks are smarter than others. Some are more talented. Do I deserve a fair shot at an acting job against, uh, well, off the top of my head, Denzel Washington? I go into (laughs) the office of Warner Brothers and I say, Denzel's up for this role, but you know what? Obama says that I deserve a fair shot at that role also. Because I deserve a fair shot. So give me my shot. And I don't get the role. Wow. Who do I complain to? What is it with this idea of everybody getting a fair shot? We're not all born equally. We're just not. Some of us are more physically talented. Some of us are more mentally talented. And then there's that special group that's both. I happen to believe that if, I were, if it were not for the United States Marine Corps, I would be in some prison somewhere, serving quite a bit of time. And yet... My purpose was served. Who deserves a fair shot? What is Obama talking about when he says that every man, American man, woman, and child deserve a fair shot? At what? The American dream? Well, what happens if you're – we're not all equal. We're just not. And, And nor should we be. If we were all equal, there'd be no unique people. Even on, let's say, the Denver Broncos, not every player is equal. Not every wide receiver is equal on that team. Not every running back, and certainly not every quarterback, the two, they, the three they, they have on the team. Come on. Everybody deserves a fair shot. Who decides who gets that fair shot? Envy, my friend. Envy. We've got Vaj in the chat room. And Doc writes that you get to have a fair shot by learning and integrating the truth about the laws governing human existence. The law of vibration, cause and effect, transmutation, and then the law of attraction. It is actually an unfair advantage to know these things. We're not here to run our humanness out of our humanness. We're here to remember ourselves as immortal and use that power. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Envy, though. What do you think about that? The call-in number is 347-884-8500. What do you think about that? Envy, though.
resentment. Resentment is closely allied with envy. Professor uh, Sowell has written about politics of resentment and the creation. Back in the 1960s, a whole government-supported industry of race hustling. President Lyndon Baines Johnson's War on Poverty. A war that we have lost bankrolled all kinds of local leaders and organizations with the taxpayers' money in the name of community participation in shaping the policies of government. These so-called leaders and community activists have had every reason to hype racial resentment and make issues us against them. Envy. Our president is doing the exact same thing right here and now. It's us against them. Us against them. The rich against the poor. White against black. It's amazing, isn't it? The president of the United States is supposed to be above all of this. Polarizing president in the history of this great nation. The U.S. slips to 12th. 12th! In economic freedom. Can you believe it? We're slipping, folks. The president of the United States is achieving his one true goal of Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And we're allowing it to happen. So here we go. Envy. Jealousy. All of it. All of it. All right, we'll take a short break and we'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Please join Doc Jones as he kicks off prime time with the Sit Rep. Weekdays from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Dr. C. Robert Jones is a retired Marine officer with a Ph.D. in history. He keeps up with the day-to-day events and analyzes and explains with historical facts and informed opinion. Gojo Media is dynamic and fresh, so please catch the situation every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. What's crack-a-lackin', my peoples? What's crack-a-lackin', my peeps? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of You Guessed It, You Got It. And that's how we do it, live and direct with G-Ski Rocks and the Captain. What's crack-a-lackin'? What's crack-a-lackin'? I'll tell you what's crack-a-lackin'. G-Ski! What's the crack-a-lackin', baby? What's crackin'? Well, what's crackin', man, is everybody else. But everybody seems to love your style, brother. What's crackin'? G-Ski, you are the man. 
You are the man, dude. I tell you what, I love this topic. I love it. I wish I thought of it myself. I'm jealous. I got envy. I got envy right now. What's crack a lacking, Dana? My brother from another mother. How are we, sir? <laughs> What's cracking, sister? What's cracking? What's crackalacking? What do you got to say, ma'am? I just got to say, awesome show. Just totally awesome. That's right, folks. We keep it crackalacking, and we do it for love of country. So make sure that you listen to Live and Direct with G-Ski Rocks and the Captain every Monday and Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time www.20-20radio.com Always crack-a-lacking and it's always served with bacon and gravy, baby. Bacon and gravy. Lights, camera, action. You've been enjoying yourself, but now it's time to make them love you again. You're cool, calm, collected. You've always gotten what you wanted. But was it ever what we wanted? We need jobs. We need leadership. Yet you do nothing as we pile up debts we can't afford. It's like you don't even get it. And I'm one of your middle-class Americans. And quite frankly, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted of defending you, defending your administration, defending the mantle of change that I voted for. We hope, and you hope. My hope is, my hope is, my hope is, but hope isn't hiring. Welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. A lot of you know that the unemployment rate has dropped dramatically um, last week, but that the fewest number of jobs have been created within the last 60 years for that month. And that brings us to our next topic, America's dwindling economic freedom. World economic freedom has reached record levels, my friend. According to the 2014 Index of Economic Freedom, released Tuesday by the Heritage Foundation, the Wall Street Journal, and and the Wall Street Journal, But after seven straight years of decline, the U.S. has dropped out of the top ten most economically free countries. Can you imagine that? Would you ever have thought of that? For 20 years, the index has measured a nation's commitment to free enterprise. Do you hear me? Free enterprise on a scale of zero to 100 by evaluating ten categories including fiscal soundness, government size, and property rights. These commitments have powerful effects. Countries achieving higher levels of economic freedom consistently and measurably outperform others in economic growth, long-term prosperity, and social progress. Botswana, for example, has made gains through low tax rates and political stability. Those losing freedom, on the other hand, risk Economic stagnation, high unemployment, and deteriorating social conditions, i.e. the United States of America. For instance, heavy-handed government intervention in Brazil's economy continues to limit mobility and fuel a sense of injustice. It's not hard to see why the U.S. is losing ground. Even marginal tax rates exceeding 43% cannot finance runaway government spending. 
which has caused the nation's debt to skyrocket. The Obama administration continues to shackle entire sectors of the economy with regulation, including health care, finance, and industry and energy. The intervention impedes both personal freedom and national prosperity. Someone sent a note to me on YouTube the other day. Why don't you all just leave the president alone? He's doing the best he can. I can, I, I can go back and put the quotes in there if you'd like. He's doing the best he can. Really? He's doing the best he can? If that's the case, if that's your argument, if that's your defense of President Barack Hussein Obama, then you're lost, and so are we all, if he's doing the best he can. As the U.S. economy languishes, many countries are leaping ahead thanks to policies that enhance economic freedom. The same ones that made the U.S. economy the most powerful in the world. Governments in the 114 countries have taken steps in the past year to increase the economic freedom of their citizens. 43 countries from the past, from, from, from every part of the world, have now reached their highest economic freedom ranking in the index's history. Hong Kong. continues to dominate the list, followed by Singapore, Australia, Switzerland, New Zealand, and Canada. These, these are the only countries to earn the index's economically free designation. What about the United States of America? Has anybody watched the History Channel's The Men Who Built America? Sure, they were, they were deliciously ruthless, weren't they? The Vanderbilts, the Carnegie's. Ford, love them, love them all. They were free to create wealth for themselves, and there was a trickle-down effect. Henry Ford made cars, but was smart enough to make cars that his own workers could afford to buy. You see, what happened to the United States of America under this president? We're in a steep, steep decline. He's doing the best he can. Jimmy Carter must be sleeping like a baby. Knowing that he is no longer the worst president in the history of this country. Economic freedom. The United States of America dropped out of the top ten. Economic freedom, my friends. Imagine it. And then Obama has the nerve to say he's not going to wait for legislation. You know, the separate but equal branches of government. He said, and I quote, I've got a pen and I've got a phone, end quote calling for all hands on deck to assist the economy. Dude, you've had this job for five years. It's now time to assist the economy. 
President Obama is urging his cabinet to identify ways to keep his administration relevant to people struggling in the up and down recovery. With two weeks left before delivering an economic focus State of the Union address to Congress, Obama is picking up the pace of his job, jobs message and demonstrating how he can advance his economic agenda administratively through his ability to coax action from important interest groups. He said, and I quote, we're not just going to be waiting for legislation in order to make sure that we're providing Americans the kind of help they need. I've got a pen and I've got a phone, end quote. Obama said Tuesday as he convenes his first cabinet meeting of the year. Obama said that, and I can use that pen to sign executive orders and take executive actions and administrative actions that move the ball forward in helping to make sure our kids are getting the best education possible, making sure that our businesses are getting the kind of support and keep, and keep they need and help they need to grow and advance. This dude, it is not your job to do that. Leave business alone, and business will take care of business. Wow. So there we go. The president's going to use his pen again. What a mess. What a mess. What is going on with our job situation? Everyone agrees that the employment report last Friday was bad. Unemployment went down to 6.7%. But that was because the household survey showed that 347,000 people left the labor force in December, while only 144,000 found jobs. In a healthy, growing economy, you are supposed to get the workforce increasing faster than the actual employment. As people join the labor force constantly looking for work. If you look at the data for the five years since President Obama was inaugurated, you can see that we're not talking about a bad month. It's all bad. From the giddy inauguration to the latest vacation in Hawaii, It's all bad. So here, here, here we are. At the end of five years of Obama, the U.S. population is 317 million, according to the Census Bureau. The, quote, civil, civilian non-institutional population, end quote, is 246 million. The, quote, civilian force the civilian labor force, end quote, is 155 million, and the employed is 145 million, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's your hope and change for you. If, why, why, if I were a Clinton running for president, I'd say it was the worst economy in the last 50 years. Now, we all know the president came into office when everything was Bush's fault. So let's look back a bit 
all the way back to 1993 and see what's been going on in the medium term since the day that Bill Clinton was inaugurated president. Now, the numbers are not seasonally adjusted, so you get a seasonal sawtooth. But you can see that the labor force and unemployment were gung-ho in the 1990s and dipped a bit in 2000. Then came the crash of 2008, and employment crashed with it. Today, we have the Obama economy with the unemployment-to-population ratio stuck at 58.5% and the labor force slowly losing heart, dipping below 63%, down from a high of 68% in the late 1990s. Obama is doing a very poor job. There we go. What a mess. The President of the United States. That's our guy. Gotta love him. Folks on Facebook are saying, leave the president alone. He's doing the best he can. He's doing the best he can. Is this the best he can do? Is that the best we've got? Wow. (laughs) We'll take a short break, and we'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, Dr. C. Robert Jones. We'll be right back. A winter's day With my friend the prompter Stand alone Gazing out among you Watching you watch me It's creepy but it's too late You chose me I am Barack I'm the Messiah I'll talk of love What they need is friendship, and friendship causes pain. Uh, Israel and Hamas, they're both the same. I am Barack, I'm the Messiah. Tear down this wall between government and your people. Trousers, the shirt off of your back. What makes you think I'm satisfied with that? I'm the rock, I'm the Messiah. And the rock feels your pain, and I think you'll be surprised.
Welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Okay. For the past five years, the media has shielded Obama from any real scrutiny, protecting their Messiah from all, all potential criticism, abdicating their journalistic responsibilities because they were too busy worshiping the one and dedicating their less than sacred honor to maintaining their delusions about him. Why? Why on earth is the media in the pocket of Barack Hussein Obama? Was it, it was once a time when the media was a fourth estate. When the media, well, although self-serving, they were indiscriminate. They would go against, they would go against anybody. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. But now we have a, a media that is completely in the tank for just one man. And why? They want to see him succeed? They can write all they want, but the proof is in the pudding. They can report all they like on President Barack Hussein Obama and his policies. But what they cannot do is change the numbers or mask the truth of everyday living. Deceit, delusion, denial, moral decay. That's what we're living through right now. May you live in interesting times. Is that what we're living in right now? Interesting times? Our country's in trouble, folks. We're in trouble. Barack has a pen and he has a phone. And the damage that he can do is astronomical. The damage that he has done is terrible. Narcissism. Pathological lying in politics. All a part of this president's toolbox. When will it end? Well, let's hope in 2016. I will be 54 years old. Wow. Will the country still be here? <laughs> will we still be the United States of America? We're slipping so far, folks, in everything. But the president has said that he has a pen and he has a phone. The country has not made any gains economically, socially. We have regressed under this guy. It's us against them, them against us, the rich against the poor, black against white. Our economy is in the tank. Jobs are not being created. Folks are not going to work. Our economy is in shambles. What has this guy been doing for the last five years? What has he been doing? I know some liberal will say he's been cleaning up Bush's mess. Well, damn. He hasn't done Jack, he's terrible. Come on. He hasn't done anything. 
Wow. We're in a mess. But can we hold on for another another three years? Another, another, another two years? Can we hold on until November? I don't know. Well, once again, folks, our hour is up and it's gone by way too fast. I want to thank you all for listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. And, um, you know, as usual, there's so many things that you could be doing, but you choose to come in and listen to my show, and I do so appreciate it. I want to thank you all for listening to my show. And come back tomorrow where we'll wrap things up for the week. We're on Monday through Thursday, 8 to 9 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. And you can also check out my website, uh, www.templaroath.com. And you can find archives of the show there as well. Thank you, folks, for listening. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. We're out.